The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Poor Sandberg. Nobody ever looked like him. No one was yeah. ever just like a goofy looking. Yeah. Yeah, there was never. A... There was no Sporgy Borg. Didn't. <laughs> Governor the Swedish Governor Glorberty Dork. <laughs> oh, oh God! I don't know what's happening. Hey Andy, I think you're gonna play that guy. Why me? <laughs> Why do you think I'd be good at Governor Sporgy Borgy Borg? <laughs> That's how Andy Samberg is in real life. In real life, yeah. On camera, it's like, wow, that guy's kind of, like, suave. And yeah. then I mean, the cut, and he's like, hey! <laughs> where are my gumdrops? <laughs> For real, though, Samberg was, like, late at night at SNL, he would be the guy who would just crack your door open and just, like, put his <laughs> and be like, what are you writing? Oh. <laughs> Do you want to go get a coffee with me? Such a... Well, that just gave me, st that really just made my stomach hurt. Yeah. I remember that. I have nightmares like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Bill, what are, you, what are you and your wife doing? <laughs> oh, no, he did it at your house. That's yeah, not good. at my house all the time. That was a clip from the September 13th, 2016 episode of Late Night with Seth Meyers. It's a very funny interview with Seth talking with Bill Hader about their Saturday Night Live days and amicably teasing their fellow SNL co-star and co-writer, Andy Samberg. Samberg joined the SNL writing staff in 2005 with childhood friends Yorma Taccone and Akiva Schaffer. Together, Samberg, Taccone, and Schaffer are collectively known as The Lonely Island, and their efforts in music, television, and film have made them well-known figures in today's comedy world. On this episode of ARC, I'm going to go over the history of The Lonely Island, their stylistic influences, and their impact on modern pop culture. Later on, I'm going to give my review and commentary on their latest movie, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. This is ARC. God bless to the movies, to good movies, to every possible kind. You shall not pass! Make it so. Where are my dragons? Yo, Nothing for you! Welcome to Earth. Stick around. No slices for white. Clever girl. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'm 37? Are you the key master? I'm Omar. Who the hell are you? Omar! Omar, come and go! Omar, let's go! Omar, come and go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Arts Review and Commentary. I'm your host, Omar Latiri, and thank you very much for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by ARC's Amazon page. Click on the Amazon button at artsreviewandcommentary.com to help this show and all the other shows in the Realm Network continue to produce free, on-demand content every day for listeners like you. I was supposed to have a car here about a half an hour ago, and I... No, I don't think you understand. I'm hosting the 2005 MTV Movie Awards. Yes, MTV has movie awards. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, okay, well, just get the car here pronto, okay? Because I have to be there. Soon. Welcome to the 2005 MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> Great to be here in L.A. hosting the Movie Awards, though I'm not pleased with my accommodations. MTV put me up at the Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> not fun. Not fun. In early 2005, 
Former Saturday Night Live cast member Jimmy Fallon hosted the MTV Movie Awards. Among the writers of that production were Andy Samberg, Yerma Taccone, and Akiva Schaffer. Impressed with their skill, Fallon praised the trio, and his good word of mouth and that of others landed all three as writers on SNL, with Samberg also being a featured player on SNL's 31st season. Because very few of their sketches weren't making it to air, the troupe decided to film shorts on their own instead of pitching them to the other writers. These SNL digital shorts piqued the interest of viewers, and on December 17, 2005, the Lonely Island struck gold with the release of Lazy Sunday. Lazy Sunday, wake up in the late afternoon. Call Parnell just to see how he's doing. Hello, what up, pawn? Yo, Sandberg, what's cracking? You thinking what I'm thinking? Man, it's happening. But first, my hunger. The video itself, with Sandberg and Chris Parnell gangster rapping about their excitement to see Chronicles of Narnia, was hilarious. Not simply because of the juxtaposition of style and substance but because it seemed to be unapologetically modern. The references to The Notebook, the discussion between the merits of various navigation websites, and even the Google colors for subtitles when they said made this segment feel very, very fresh and innovative. But what propelled the sketch to become a classic wasn't just the sketch on its own merits but the views it received on a new website called YouTube. The video went viral, and The Lonely Island had made their mark, with Samberg as the de facto frontman. After Lazy Sunday, the group produced dozens of memorable SNL digital shorts, which became the highlight of each episode of Saturday Night Live. As I mentioned before, Lazy Sunday succeeded because of its unapologetic modernity, but the freshness lay in something more specific. Prior to the SNL digital shorts, Saturday Night Live's prepped videos were funny in their irreverence or audacity, and since there weren't very many current pop culture references in these older videos, these segments became, in a sense, timeless. The Lonely Island went a different route, and their digital shorts were made to work on two levels. First, the short had to be funny on its own premise and execution. Second, the shorts worked because they clearly referenced modern pop culture. Here's a clip from the digital short, Dear Sister. Hey man, what you doing? Nothing, just uh, writing a letter to my sister. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, uh, I haven't seen her in years. It's, uh, it's weird because... What you say? It's obvious that the video is spoofing how, with just the right track, a murder can seem poignant. It eventually culminates in the murder of two police officers who shoot each other multiple times, with Imogene Heap's hide-and-seek playing over each shot. But... It was the specific song choice that added another level, because this trope was present during a pivotal moment in the second season finale of the Fox series, The O.C. Oh my God, stop it, you're killing it! Take it off of it, please! Please stop it, you're killing him! Stop it! You need to kill him! 
Here's the thing, not a lot of people watched the OC, but The Lonely Island didn't care and referenced the episode anyway to make it funnier for the viewers that did recognize the reference. It basically rewarded those viewers for their pop culture tastes, which thereby broadened the appeal. That type of humor made its way into The Lonely Island's first feature film, 2007's Hot Rod. You want to know why I joined the crew, Rod? It's because ever since we were kids, you've always done exactly what you wanted to do. And everybody else just grew up and got boring and sold out. But you stayed exactly the same. Who cares what anyone thinks? You don't get it, do you, Denise? I used to be legit. In fact, I was too legit. I was too legit to quit. But now, I'm not legit. I'm unlegit. And for that reason, I must quit. You don't mean that. Yeah, I do. Stay sweet. Now, it's not that difficult to satirize story structure or tropes. Police Squad did that decades before The Lonely Island. But the randomness of the pop culture references, from Hammer to Footloose, combined with the simplicity of the story, made Hot Rod a bit of a cult hit. I would say that The Lonely Island's meta-humor has helped shape modern American comedy. The Lonely Island, along with Arrested Development and Community, took postmodern comedy into what I'm calling the meta-era. The Lonely Island's pop culture satire wasn't limited to movies and television. In order to truly appreciate the depth of the humor of The Lonely Island, one has to be able to appreciate many different styles of pop music. The trilogy of Dick in a Box, Mother Lover, and Three-Way The Golden Rule plays with the early 90s style of pop and R&B, a la Jodeci or Color Me Bad. Jizz in My Pants was done in the style of electronic pop, a la Pet Shop Boys. Check last week. I saw a film. As I recall, it was a horror film. Walked outside into the rain. Checked my phone and saw you rang and I just in my past. And Perfect Saturday is a G-Funk homage to Warren G's and Nate Dogg's Regulate. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones. Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Sure, these freaks, I'ma see in my bed. Opening the door and see my homie Ned. Oh, hey guys, how's it going? What up, Ned? I got a 911. Need to use your head. That's a no can do. Ooh, your breath is on kick. Yeah, I know. Now move. I gotta take a 
Perfect Saturday appears on the Whack album, the Lonely Island's third of four albums released as of the recording of this episode. Their debut album, Incredibad, was released in 2009, mostly featuring songs that had previously aired on Saturday Night Live as digital shorts, including Lazy Sunday, Dick in a Box, and Space Olympics. The album also featured new material and had a number of high-profile artists from the comedy and recording worlds, including Jack Black and Nora Jones. A couple of songs, Boombox and Like a Boss, were later turned into digital shorts on SNL. Their sophomore album, 2011's Turtleneck and Chain, followed a similar format and featured such noted artists as Michael Bolton, Beck, and Snoop Dogg. Their first single from the album, which debuted on SNL as a digital short, was I Just Had Sex, featuring R&B artist Akon. The video itself included cameos of Blake Lively, Jessica Alba, and John McEnroe, and the end of the video was a parody of the music video from Katy Perry's Firework. In 2012, Andy Samberg left SNL as a writer and performer, and Yorma Taccone and Akiva Schaffer left a couple of years later. All three have been active in the entertainment world, most notably Andy Samberg as one of the stars in Fox's hit comedy, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Samberg has been nominated for an Emmy in his role as Detective Jake Peralta, and the show is now in its fourth season. But even though the trio of the Lonely Island have moved on to separate projects, the group is still performing together in different venues. They have appeared together in cameos of such movies as The Watch, which Schaffer also directed, and Neighbors. Perhaps one of the biggest accomplishments in the year since leaving Saturday Night Live was helping write and record the Academy Award-nominated song for the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome. When we come back, I'll give my review and commentary on the Lonely Island's most recent endeavor, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Hi everybody, it's George from the George and Tony Entertainment Show on the Realm Network. The last three episodes have been focused on the creative people I met at Baltimore Comic Con this year and all of their exciting projects. But this week, Tony is back. And if you don't believe me, listen to this clip. Hey George, can I come out of the basement now? Ha, 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 that Tony. I don't even have a basement. Or do I? Find out on episode 139 of the George and Tony Entertainment Show, right here on the Realm Network, iTunes, SoundCloud, georgeandtony.com, and wherever else finer podcasts may be found. Thanks for the gruel. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to get into uh, negative things, but Gloria Steinem was here recently. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she was right she here. She was actually. so great in Sunset Boulevard, though. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no Gloria Swanson. Swanson, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gloria Steinem is a feminist, oh, and yes. a lot of feminists around the world are very upset yeah. about bitch school. Uh, I'm sure single. you... Yeah, single yeah, bitch school, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a, a mistake. I mean, it's not a mistake that we made the record. It's oh. a mistake because the song Bitch School is about training dogs. Yeah. See, we love Very dogs, simple. and it's about dogs. It's yeah. has nothing to do with women at all. Yeah. There's a woman on the cover of the single with a leash yeah. around her neck, but that's just for... <laughs> 
Okay, so obviously that wasn't from pop star Never Stop Never Stopping. That was a clip from a 1992 Arsenio Hall show interview with the members of Spinal Tap, a fake British heavy metal band played by Michael McKeon, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer. It was my first experience with Spinal Tap because I hadn't seen the 1984 Rob Reiner mockumentary This Is Spinal Tap. After watching them on Arsenio Hall, I rented Spinal Tap on video and proceeded to laugh my ass off at the stupidity of the situations the band got themselves in. And who can forget this classic exchange? This is a top to a, you know, what we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah. the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, the and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not 10. You see, most most blokes are going to be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Uh, put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now, the similarities between This Is Spinal Tap and Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping are numerous, but there are some key differences. This Is Spinal Tap has more memorable moments, but the movie as a whole isn't that consistent. Whereas Popstar is non-stop laughter throughout, but the singular moments themselves aren't quite as memorable. Holy shit, dude, where the fuck was your dick, dog? <laughs> what happened out there? What happened to the trick? Connor, don't worry, nobody saw anything. I wish they had seen something. Now there's 10,000 people that think I got no dick. <laughs> Wait, you guys know I have a dick, right? Yes. Yeah. You do. It just, you, it, you do. It just, I've always yeah. believed you had a dick. Right, 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 right. But like, where was it, though? because that motherfucker was gone. We've gone over this. I, you know I gotta tuck my shit back so it doesn't get tangled yeah. up in the garments. That makes perfect sense. Yes. Go and put it in between the legs. Connor, don't worry about it. You were up there for like 10 seconds. 10 seconds is an eternity, Harry. It's a third of the way to Mars. Connor, we've talked about this. 30 Seconds to Mars is the name of a band. It's not a fact. In the early summer of 2016, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping was released in theaters. And despite positive critical reception, it quickly left theaters as a box office bomb. I was one of the few people to go see it in the theaters, and I was disappointed it didn't do as well in the box office as it should have. I saw it in a crowded theater, and the audience I watched the movie with was engaged and laughing throughout the entire movie. Thinking about it, I believe much of the reason it didn't do so well was that it opened against Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, as well as against other big movies like X-Men Apocalypse, Alice Through the Looking Glass, and the Angry Birds movie. Additionally, it was rated R, and rated R comedies don't tend to do well against more family-friendly PG or PG-13 rated entertainment. The movie itself is funny all the way through, with music artists and producers from generations past and present making appearances throughout the movie. Mock interviews with such notables as Ringo Starr, Carrie Underwood, and Usher are sprinkled in. Others such as Justin Timberlake and Emma Stone appear, as well as Simon Cowell and DJ Khaled. 
Adam Levine, Michael Bolton, and Seal also lend their singing to the movie and to the movie's album. The numerous celebrities that appear give the film a legitimacy that would be lessened had it not been for their presence. Now, the comparisons to the 1984 mockumentary This Is Spinal Tap cannot be escaped. But I have to say that I enjoyed Pop Star just a little bit more, mostly because of the music featured in the movie. The musical versatility of The Lonely Island offers a much wider range of musical selections, combining hip-hop and pop into not just funny songs, but well-produced and catchy songs. That's not to say that the members of Spinal Tap are not talented, but in my opinion, I would much rather listen to songs by Connor for real than those of Spinal Tap. While the movie offers a great taste of the songs that The Lonely Island wrote for the soundtrack, the pop star album itself is a genuine treat to listen to. It's vulgar, disgusting, and funny, and you can't deny the talent behind the production and the performance. No, the movie isn't an original concept, but this was one of the highlights of my movie-watching experiences in 2016. Four out of five stars for pop star Never Stop Never Stopping. I hope that the failure of this movie to perform well at the box office doesn't dissuade the Lonely Island from more comedic ventures, and I can't wait to see what they come up with next. That's it for this episode of Arts Review and Commentary. Thank you so much for listening. Please, spread the word by sharing this show. Have your friends like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews, follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews, and shop Amazon at artsreviewandcommentary.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is Arc. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network.